This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock. Ball might break here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores. Goal leg. Hit leg. Hit leg over the top. It's it now. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he has it. No. Hello and welcome to Series 11, Episode 6 of Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And let him entertain you. It's Michael Marden. Hello. How are we? I don't almost see that as a 90s song. I know, I know. It's because it's transcended it. One of those songs that's been so overplayed. When do you think it was released? Uh, 98, 99? Is it earlier than that? It's early, yeah, maybe even earlier than that. Do you know what I'm always thinking to myself? Where does Robbie Williams stand in history? Do you know what I mean? What do you mean? On which side? Allies or Nazi? (laughs) 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 Is he kind of in, you know, is he categorised as a bit of a kind of bros kind of... No, I, or I, I do don't people see so him as a cultural icon? Cultural icon. Really? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think Robbie Williams is arguably, at his peak, the biggest pop star of my lifetime in the UK. Yeah, but the fact it was just the UK, does that not take the shine off? No, I don't does see that... why it does yeah. at all. I think it would be insane to think that Robbie Williams has failed because uh, he only played Nebworth <laughs> twice. <laughs> do you know he... Uh, he lives next door. Is it to Jimmy Page? I think I'm pretty sure he lives next door yeah, to Jimmy he does Page. Live next door, next and they, they've, Jimmy they've Page. had a long-standing yeah, they've uh, got a big neighbourly feud argument because Robbie Williams a big feud uh, over the swimming pool. No, it was a, a recording studio that Robbie Williams was building in his house. I've got a way of weaving this conversation back into '90s football. Yep. Here's a do I remember this right? I think FIFA '98 Road to the World Cup. I'm pretty sure Robbie Williams appeared as a player for Port Vale, or, or as a game around that time. Well, it wouldn't have been a Road fee- to the an World officially Cup. licensed FIFA game. 
Yeah. Yeah, maybe not the World Cup. There was an officially licensed FIFA game which you could play as Port Vale and Robbie Williams was on the bench. You could bring him on and it looked like Robbie Williams. Oh, wow. How exciting. That's a big deal. I remember this yeah, that, right. That, I mean, I think it might be post-90s because my, my strong memory of the 90s is you couldn't get the lower league teams in those games unless Port Vale were a special team. Robbie Williams supporting Port Vale was a really big deal. Yeah, huge for Port Vale. You just, you just don't get that anymore, do you? The excitement of a celebrity supporting a small team has gone now. But Robbie Williams supporting Port Vale, or even the Gallaghers supporting Man City, do you give a shit who any of the current pop stars support? Or am I just getting <laughs> old? It felt like a big deal, because I think it was when being a football fan had first broken as a, a thing that was socially acceptable. So even Damon Albarn was kind of pretending he supported Chelsea, wasn't he, in those days? I've got an unbelievable... No one mentioned just then the Robbie Williams playing for FIFA, uh, playing on FIFA. I just gave it a quick Google. It's a way more interesting story than even I thought. It's, it's true. So he was in... The, it's actually, it was not 90s. It's FIFA 2000. He was in the FIFA 2000 game. Well, we shouldn't be covering EA this. Sports approached Robbie Williams about using his one of his songs for FIFA 2000. Robbie agreed on one condition. He said, you can have that song in the soundtrack for free, but Port Vale have to be in the game. And I have to be a player for Port Vale, and EA Sports agreed. Um, incredible. See? How good a- is that? You can have it for free, but you have to put Port Vale on the game, and me as well. That is That's superb. brilliant, isn't it? Do you think he got on to them to pump his stats as well? It's like, <laughs> just could you make pace like 16? I know it's probably a 12. <laughs> yeah, because that's the problem, is that like surely, surely it'd be better for Robbie Williams who, to edit himself into the game with good stats... Yeah. You could edit yourself into the game in those days, couldn't you? Nah, FIFA 2000, nah. Even if he, you not? he's he's the worst player in that Port Vale squad. Like if they're if they're accurate, yeah, of course. So he's never getting picked or played. And even if you're a Port Vale fan, the, I, I would wager the only player too difficult to play with. Yeah, the only player in the history of FIFA 2000 that's ever played with Robbie Williams is Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary Barlow scoring own goals. <laughs> Right, let's have the 90s o'clock news, Skull. From the headquarters of ITN, News at 10, with Chris Skull. Our top story today, SafeStyle plans to grow Yorkshire workforce and new Nile Quinn advert emerges. I'd say the first one's a bit more boring, headline-wise. It's going to have to be quite football-based to uh, to uh, show its place at the number one on the uh, on the listings. <laughs> well, who recalls a few weeks ago we discussed Safe Style deploying David Seaman as yes. the main man in their adverts, like talking about cracking savings. We poured scorn on this. We said. How on earth is this going to be beneficial to Safe Style or David Seaman? Surely no one is buying double glazing off the back of David Seaman's association with Safe Style. Well, boy, have we got this wrong. Here's the Yorkshire Post. Top story, well, one of their top stories. Safe Style UK plans to grow its 1,000 strong workforce in Yorkshire after its sales were boosted by a TV advertising campaign featuring England and Arsenal football legend David That's Seaman. That's incredible. That's incredible. Apparently, they're, they're attributing a 7.2% rise. They've already got 1,000 staff. 7.2% increase in revenue. What do they do? Uh, uh, they do like double glazing. Double glazing. 7.2%. 
from the David. That's yeah. That's got to be one of the most effective adverts in history, hasn't it? Mike Gallagher, chief executive, said uh, the group was delighted with the response to their new TV advertising campaign featuring Mr. Seaman. He said the business has delivered a good trading performance in the first half, achieving revenue growth of 70.2% increase in an increasingly difficult economic backdrop. Finally, a good news story. How has that happened? I tell you what's happened. Quasi Quarteng's budget's kicked in. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's spend, spend, spending with the growth. I didn't realise it was a TV advertising campaign. That can't be a national TV advertising campaign, can it? Surely not. I mean, we haven't seen them down here in London. But is this the dawn now of, like, manufacturing brands seeing these 90s footballer campaigns absolutely kicking off? Are we oh, about... We're so. at the very dawn hope so. of one after another. Well, the interesting thing now is Seaman can name his price for the next product that comes to his door, can't he? Like, <laughs> He's got... What? CVs pulling yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. 7.2% growth on your on your sales is incredible. Yeah. This is something we're going to have to start looking at. Savo Milosevic doing drain adverts. I'm I, got you guttering. Well, it'd be interesting. Andy Townsend. Do you think it is do you think it's a coincidence or do you think it is purely down to David Seaman's advertising campaign? It's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, it's made the it's made the Yorkshire Post. Well, we'll see how it plays on. I'm fascinated. Do let us know whether you've got any double glazing off the back of that. There is um, the whole David Seaman section to the SafeStyle website. Is there? SafeStyle are delighted to announce our official partnership with David Seaman, known for making great saves and beating our competition and being proud of our Yorkshire roots. It made perfect sense for us to link up. How hard there he is meeting the factory. Link up implies that both of them kind of of approached each other about this. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Seaman. Yeah, they'd been dancing around it for years. Yeah, yeah, and that Seaman was as as willing to uh, uh, be associated with Safe Style as they were willing to be associated with him. <laughs> I I believe that they've approached him. I don't believe that it's a mutually kind of active <laughs> partnership. Surely to God, it's it's surely water. I like to think that prior to that, Seaman was in an endorsement deal with like another brand, and he'd been you know when a player at the end of their contract is like angling for a move. So he, yeah. s- he starts. He starts bad mouthing like uh, another double glazing firm <laughs> ju- ju- just to engineer the move. Refuses to turn up to the photo shoots. Do you think? Do you think when he he experienced some safe style windows, he thought these guys are crucially good at saving. They are beating their competitors, and they they relate to my Yorkshire roots. I need to get involved with this. Everything works as a link-up. Siemens manager saying, like, this is really complimentary to your brand, Dave. This is a great fit. <laughs> David, what three things... If you had to describe <laughs> yourself, what three things would you say? Good at saving. I beat the competition and I am from Yorkshire. Well, I tell you what, mate. <laughs> oh, 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 and one one extra, I just hate cold houses. It's, it's the savings things about money, right? <laughs> Look, it's, ten, it's tenuous, isn't it? It is yeah, tenuous. No, but I, I buy the savings one. That's That's good. I think, I think beating the competition. No one cares about beating. That's like a business parlance. No one cares yeah. if they're double glazing. Is do it a better firm than like is a more successful firm? Surely there's something about doesn't let anything in or something like. Is that not? Oh yeah, that's good. Doesn't let that's much better. <laughs> yeah. Come on, safe stuff. No one has ever said about David Seaman. He's great at beating the competition. This doesn't happen. No, no, what's ever said that about David Seaman? A hundred David Seaman facts, he's good at beating the competition, is not going to get listed. Just not a thing. Okay. What's your second story? So, um, we, we talked about, we did an adverts episode recently, 
and uh, yeah. we talked a lot about the LucasAid Sport advert. Yeah. The John Do Bowles. you know there's a second LucasAid Sport advert? No. Great, because I didn't know this. I'm just, I'm going to text it round now. We talked about this, by the way, on our fan club uh, special episode where we went through our favourite football adverts of the 90s, uh, available on anotherslice.com forward slash quickly Kevin. Yeah, we, talk, we talked at length about the LucasAid Sport advert. Now, we're all familiar with the LucasAid Sport advert, the one featuring John Burns, but do we know about the one featuring Niall Quinn? Check out the production value. I find that actually fascinating. That that is you've you've just heard it there. That is Niall Quinn doing a LucasAid Sport advert that I would say has the a tenth of the budget of the John Barnes one. <laughs> He's just stood in the, on the pitch. Like, he just stood on the pitch. Can. But it's got the same effect which it does on the lungs on the John Barnes one, where it goes down into the lungs. Well, I don't know why the lung into the body maybe. <laughs> But um, I don't think this is a sequel. What? I'm really? going to stick my neck out there. Do you think this is the Irish version? Oh, that's not a bad show. Oh, it could be. There's no way this is a sequel because it's so much cheaper. It just simply they simply can't have made. And we'd remember it. You definitely remember it. Yeah, I thought it looked like a pathetic self tape that he was doing to audition <laughs> yeah. for the role. Yeah, yeah exactly. And he's got yeah. someone to cobble on some of the same graphics just to kind of yeah. go, hey, you know, yeah. if you're thinking about rebooting this, I'm I'm the guy. I'm throwing my hat in the ring. Yeah. I would love to know. Please email in if you know why Niall Quinn has recorded a Lucasade advert that is. Yeah, it looks a bit like when they play football on a kids' TV show and they just haven't got the budget to make it look good. <laughs> Shades of Gary Mabbott turning up on the Queen's nose <laughs> there, about it. There is a, but he's got extras in the background. There's like people fake cheering as he looks at the camera and holds out the LucasAid Sport. It's incredible. I'm going, it's, they couldn't market the John Barnes in England kit one in Ireland, but they wanted to market LucasAid Sport, so this is the version. This is the best they've got. Email in and tell me I'm wrong, please. Right, talk of emails. Shall we have the electronic post bag? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Let's start with some big news. Uh, an update on George Weyer's sleeping habits. Fresh evidence. <laughs> now, you may remember we discussed George, George Weyer sleeps for 20 hours a day, apparently. Hi, lads, writes Neil Roger. I listened to the discussion about George Weyer sleeping for 20 hours a day. Brought back a fake memory of an interview from either 442 or even 90 Minutes magazine, where Michael Essien made a similar claim that essentially all he did was sleep with some uh, incredible amount of hours each day or train and play. Essien was, and is, good friends with George Weyer, who may be taught in Mr Miyagi style. All I could find was this, but I'm sure he claimed more than 14 hours. So this is a um, Daily Mail article in which, and I say this is still newsworthy, Michael Essien claims that he sleeps for 14 hours a night. What? That is, that is- that's insane. I sleep for 14 hours a day. That helps me get the energy you see on the pitch. When I'm about to play in a big match, I take things easy. The calmness helps me to have concentration for the duration of the game. It's the way I was brought up, he says. There you go. 14 hours. Which 14 hours would you choose? Yeah, I think you've got to split it between evening and morning. You go into bed at like 7 and wake up at 9am, something like that. Yeah, I think that's what you do, isn't it? Because he's that's still going to have to get to training. But then you've never got an evening. No, but surely you're not sleep. Is he saying sleep? Sleeping the whole time. He sleeps for fourteen hours a day. Bloody hell! And my one interaction in my life with Michael Essien was the 2010 World Cup final. What time of day was it? 
I think it was like an afternoon kickoff. Yeah, checks out. Checks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. However, it, so it was an afternoon kickoff. I think I was working for BBC Formula One at the time, and mm. it was the day of the British Grand Prix. And afterwards, Christian Horner said, "All you BBC folk, come back to our house." And I went back to Christian Horner's house in the garden. He put a tent up for the World Cup final, and Michael Essien was sat on a beanbag in front of the telly the entire time. I don't think I ever saw him get up. Amazing, because he was asleep. Love it. Yeah, he's he was getting. <laughs> but that means that even in, his, even in his waking hours, he's resting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's essentially he, that's why a sloth. He was so good. Was he? Was he wearing a pair of those sunglasses with like fake eyes on the front? <laughs> 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 it wasn't a particularly good World Cup final. Not that no, there is quite really boring. ever no, such no, a thing. No, is there such a thing as a good World Cup final? That one was especially bad, wasn't it? Has there ever been a yeah, That's a great question. Has there ever been a good World Cup? I suppose Brazil France '98. That that was entertaining, wasn't it? For all the drama. Oh, yeah, but it was three now. But we didn't know about the drama. Oh yeah, we did know about the drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I buy that's that. memorable. Oh, no, I can't really think. I can't really think of any other entertaining World Cup final. Uh, Zidane headbutting the the guy Matarazzi. Yeah, but wasn't that that was nil nil one all at the time? One all, yeah. Uh, 86 was good, 3-2. I mean, I don't, I've never seen it, but 3-2. It sounds good, doesn't <laughs> it? Sounds it? Good, it's it's got to be good, right? <laughs> and of course, our brave boys of 66. <laughs> that is, to be fair, a good World Cup, a good World Cup final because you've got Goals, two all, including time. a last-minute equaliser, a, a goal that should have been ruled out in extra time, and then a pitch invasion. It's an incredible <laughs> World Cup final. And great commentary. Great commentary underneath. Yeah. That's what, like, the Martin Tyler Aguero, you've got... Oh, there's people on the pitch that think it's all over. So you, I think commentary plays a big role in making something iconic. But, but you remember, yeah. that's a great point about the World Cup final, because Champions League finals, you, you had tons of... Like, they're more entertaining yeah. than not. Well, so what's happened with the World Cup, then? Interesting. Hello at quickly.kevin.com. One last one. On the subject of the World Cup, Skull, do you want to uh, hear the bleakest email we've ever got? Oh, God, Yes. Hi guys, this is from Ian Wilson. Just listening to my first Another Slice episode of Your Good Selves. While you're chatting about own goals and gaffes, Josh asks if there's ever been any own goals that had consequences. We couldn't think of any, could we? Uh, of course. I know what you're going to say. Yes. Yeah. I was literally shouting in my head that you must mention Andreas Escobar's goal for oh, Colombia no, in USA 94. I mean, that is so bleak. To be fair, he's correct. He is correct. Isn't there a documentary about that? I've kind of had it in my yeah. list. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. It's got the it? two Escobars. Yeah, highly recommended. I, I would. I'm going to say it now. It's not. It's not right for a quickly Kevin watch along. <laughs> <laughs> Very sad, but it did feel like we did need to correct that. If you've got any other own goals that led to less bleak consequences, do get in touch. This is how. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at QuicklyKevin and sign up to the mailing list at QuicklyKevin.com. Now, before Maisie Adam, there is a load more stuff that you can listen to on the Quickly Kevin fan club. Go across to anotherslice.com forward slash QuicklyKevin. We've got all the uh, usual episodes with extra stuff, plus tons and tons of extra episodes. We go on about every week. You don't need us to name them. Now, today's guest is... One of my favourite comedians in the world, the brilliant Maisie Adam, and we are watching two incredible documentaries. One on Sheffield United, one on Sheffield Wednesday. And let's be honest, how we haven't watched these already, we'll never know. Here is Maisie Adam.
Hello, Maisie. Adam, how are you? Very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Good. Have you... We should start by saying, what a strange homework assignment for someone who wasn't there at the start of the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, as somebody born in 1994, I wasn't expecting to be here. (laughs) But we wanted the outsider's view. Yeah, Um, you're going to get it. (laughs) We should start... We always start by asking um, if you've ever met a 90s footballer. Would you, I mean, would you know, have you met a 90s footballer? Um, I don't think I've met a 90s one. I think the oldest footballer I've met, I met I've met Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, he does yeah, string into the 90s. Does he, does he yeah. count? And, yeah. then I, and, then the, and then it's quite a level up because then the next oldest one I've, I've met is Paul Reaney, but he's way pre-90s. Paul Reaney? I don't even know. Yeah. Who's, who's pa- Paul Reaney? You don't even know who Paul Reaney is. <laughs> No, are you making up footballers? No, no. He was a, a Leeds United fullback um, from the like in the sixties and seventies. Oh right! Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah! Look at him. He's seventy-seven yeah. years old. Why did you? What were you doing when you met Paul Reaney? Uh, it was it was at Elland Road, and he was there, like you know, when they have all of the old legends back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There's a lot of 90s... Leeds were very good... Well, Leeds had a very interesting time in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Do you wish you were there? I kind of do, because, like, obviously... Born in '94, my like my first memories of of Leeds are like the early noughties, which was sort of like our beginning of the end, really. Yeah. Um. So like for me, growing up, all my family were like mad Leeds fans, but that's because they all lived through like iconic eras. Yeah. Whereas I've lived through. <laughs> The absolute dog shit eras. Yeah. Um, and only now do I have something to remotely kind of gloat about. But even, e- even now, Tony it's, Yabawa, it's, it's tough. It? No, no, exactly. That's what I'm always hearing is, is Tony Yabo. Like, I think 
the best the best memories for, for me were like Matt Viduka, Alan Smith, Harry yeah. Kewell, but then it all went tits up. Um, but no, I wasn't even around for Tony Yaboa. So, <laughs> so this must feel a huge culture shock. We asked you to watch part one of a six part. Yeah, that's too many parts. That's too many. It, it did feel like I didn't feel like they had enough for one part. No. Um, <laughs> I checked my watch several times, I'll be honest, throughout them, and they're only half an hour long. So that's United, a six-part documentary about Sheffield United. And then an unsourced, I don't understand where it came from, video, uh, footage of Sheffield Wednesday's build-up to the 1991 FA Cup final. Yeah. I do hate these clubs because you're a Leeds fan. Like, kind of, but my mum's got quite an affiliation with, with Sheffield, so we don't. Well, I don't really mind uh, uh, Sheffield. Like, I enjoyed the Sheffield Wednesday one more than the Sheffield United because I don't, I've don't. i never really seen Sheffield Wednesday as a threat. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's like an iconic uh, League Cup final, that, isn't it? Yeah. I think, well, I looked it up, it's still, like, even as of today, it's the last time a team from outside... The top flight won a major trophy, oh, is that so it's right? massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you want, do you want a great fact about it that I looked yeah. up? The broadcast of this final caused controversy in Yorkshire because instead of showing the post-match celebrations, which is what like the London TV studios did, Yorkshire Television decided to cut the broadcast short to show a program titled "War of the Monster Trucks." <laughs> <laughs> And people from Sheffield, people from Sheffield still cite this event as a demonstration of the station's bias towards West Yorkshire, Leeds, and above all, Leeds United. Oh, and let wow. me tell you, as a Leeds United fan, I love this fact so much. <laughs> <laughs> Up that's the monster incredible. trucks, that's what I say. Wow. So, so in London, a London-based owl could enjoy yeah. the celebrations, but... But if you're watching it from Yorkshire, you've got to strap in for an evening of War of the Monster Trucks, I'm Which, afraid. To, to be fair, is it? We're only we're only two series away from watching War of the Monster Trucks, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> should we start? What do you, Skull? What do you want to start with? United or Wednesday? I think we should start with United because I think okay. Wednesday is potentially stronger. Yeah. Do you think you could um, give a, a brief pricey of what the United documentary was? So this is Sheffield United in 19, April 1990, and it's yeah. showing them on the way to promotion uh, that summer. And it's actually the sec. This season is the second of two successive promotions, yeah. and it's kind of lo- there's not much of a narrative arc to it. We're just kind of loosely <laughs> following a bunch of players and ca- hanging out with Brian Dean at the back of a coach. So it felt like a mood piece more than anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was times when there was certainly a time when um, a shower scene was set to Tony Agana playing the saxophone. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. I did not expect it to start like that. Like for that to be one of the first few scenes we see Tony yeah. Agana on sax talking about his jacked in his office job, whilst <laughs> it pans across some asses in the shower. <laughs> Why are they filming in the shower? It's, it's unacceptable, isn't it? There's Surely. another bit where, the, where the physio is massaging the back of a naked man's thigh, yes. and the shot is seventy percent bum. <laughs> like. Also, I've never, in all our years watching football documentaries, I've never, we've seen plenty of masseuse shots, but never a naked man getting massaged. Yeah, I refuse to believe that's what happens. It feels like a story someone comes back with from a holiday and they think, have I been taken advantage of here by the physio? (laughs) There are only men in my 
massage the, the thighs. Why has he got his whole kit on? He's, he's absolutely, like, head-to-toe naked. Why is that necessary? Who decided? Did the physio say to him, you have to be completely naked? Or has that player taken it upon himself to strip off? <laughs> oh, do you think it's a misunderstanding? Or has oh, the cameraman no. said, we need something here? Can oh, God. Because oh, no. how do you feel if the player on the next massage table has got shorts on? Yeah, yeah, you'd feel such a tip. Like, what yeah. kind of football culture are we building here? Well, <laughs> there's so much nudity in football in that. Well, presumably in these days, but it doesn't isn't celebrated in the same oh, way. Imagine now if they just did a little behind the scenes of of, of, of Spurs and Harry Kane's there, absolutely bollock naked, <laughs> just no problem at all. They've signed it's so odd. They've signed too many contracts, the players now. Yeah. They, they're absolutely unwilling to appear naked. Kane getting a massage naked while Lewandowski just going away at it on sacks in the yeah. background. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, very odd. What did you think of it overall? <laughs> what was your feelings towards the, the piece overall, Maisie? Um, I'll be honest. Like, I think I think you're being polite there, Chris, when you said there's very little uh, narrative arc. I don't think there was any narrative. Uh, it kind of felt like it was a sort of GCSE film project where somebody had forgotten that the deadline was the next day, and so had just sort of brought the camera along to to football practice. Yeah. Um, also, Josh, I know you notice this a lot with the sticker books and the the, the like. Um, what is it you buy off eBay? You'll yeah, buy I'll these buy like the old Panini sticker books. Panini yeah. sticker books, yeah. And you you clock a lot that players of this sort of era and before look way older than they are. But I think we've got to talk here about Paul Stancliffe because <laughs> how old is he? How old is Paul Stancliffe at this Paul point? Stancliffe? Because he looks fifty in every interview. <laughs> Which one's Paul Stancliffe? He's the captain. I think it's oh, yeah, with, yeah. with a sort of like dark mullet and quite yeah. sunken eyes. Do you know what Paul Stancliffe? <laughs> we get a little bit. We get a little bit of his home life in this. Like he cuts and he. Yeah. Again, he's just in a really ordinary house, and you're I like, I love yes. that. This, if anything, the, the, the whole family is like crouched around a tiny, like a little tiny table, tiny yeah. table. Yeah. And in yeah. a tiny room. And you're like, it's this guy's out there trying to like put his life on his legs. They talk about like the, the harshness of playing, the reality of playing in the second division at this time, and like broken legs and that. And you're like, this guy's putting his life on the line and this is what he's got to show for it. Well, yeah. that's There's a point when, I don't know who it is, is it Tony Garner again? <laughs> Says that, um, that the Sheffield, you don't get much bigger than Sheffield United. And this is after a discussion of a £90,000 signing. <laughs> and not even in the top division. Sorry, can we also just discuss the moment that comes about the £90,000 signing? Because it's, it's maybe the worst bit of staged acting I've ever seen <laughs> when they go into Derek Dooley's office <laughs> to discuss John Francis being sold to Burnley. All right, Derek, they want 90. I'm happy to go for it if you are. He's a good player. I think it's an all right price. <laughs> it's, it's, it is that incredible thing where you go they've just walked in he's literally... definitely the person with the camera's gone yeah if we could just get you know a sort of if you could give us an insight into the sort of conversations you have when you're, when you're doing the transfers oh right just say what we say yeah yeah just say just say you know uh, yeah I think 90's a good price off you go it'll look really natural my, my favourite bit of that signing Paul Wood is it is signed for 90,000 yeah. is during the like, I don't know whether it's the contract negotiations or just when he's signing. His wife is sat there with his with newborn baby. baby. 
And Dave Bassett says, what's his name? And Paulwood says, or Paulwood's wife, I can't remember, says Ashley. And Dave Bassett acts like he said he's called Gulliver or something like, he acts. He goes, goes, oh yeah, you don't get many Sams and Bens these days. (laughs) Dave Bassett's mind is blown by someone calling their child Ashley. Ashley. (laughs) There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questionable things said throughout yeah. it as well. I think uh, my favourite one that I noted down that you absolutely couldn't say oh, now. Know, yeah. You know where I'm going. Yeah. But they're talking about they go so you know how is it you know with the constantly sort of moving from team to team and transferring is it hard to take? And Carl Bradshaw goes, it's just like being a gypsy. <laughs> I mean, it's not, is it, Carl? It's not at all in any way like being a gypsy. What I've just realised, when I gave the context of this at the start, that was all through my own research outside of the document documentary. Yeah. There's not even... Everything I learned, I had to subsequently research to oh, yeah. figure out what was going anything. on. anything. Nothing at all. But yeah. I wonder whether that's later revealed that they... Because I'm going to say there is a small narrative, which is that Sheffield United are on an FA Cup run. Yeah, um, I, I think even that you, you, we've pieced that together because we're football fans. <laughs> if you're coming to this even remotely cold, yeah. it's so abstract that the, the last, the very last shot, which is a sort of interstitial of a graphic that says next week the women, that <laughs> as a visual device was so alien and so shocking. I was just like, oh, oh, what, what's this? Yeah, it, it had been so much like an art piece prior to that that what what is conventional storytelling was absolutely baffling. I would implore you not to watch the women episodes. Did any of you take the opportunity to watch the oh, start? No. Of... Oh Did no! Oh no! This is the oh, this is the pre-credit. Men, I don't think want women to be involved in the game at all. It's it's a man's game, and I think men would like to keep it like that. <laughs> That's lovely. Cheers, cheers for having me on, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Wow. We didn't pick that episode, Maisie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a real... real uh, so we just thought you'd watch this and uh, give, give your views on the Sheffield United, the women episode. Yeah. That's one of the... What, it's, it's, anyway, we it's didn't mad. watch that one. It's mad. I think the only bit that like I've, I found genuinely quite interesting... Well, two bits. I thought... I did quite like seeing the sort of um, uh, spiel that the manager gives, uh, Dave Bassett gives... To, to United, he doesn't pull any punches. I mean, I know that, like, but we're very rarely these days. But, well, we never see the sort of uh, changing room chat. Yeah. Um, and he's 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 horrible to him. I, he's literally I think just he's like, too negative. Really I think... negative. Even if they win, he's horrible. Oh, yeah. They say that as well. Do the players say he's a really critical manager? I didn't think he was that bad. Are you joking? They like, get I... the sixth round of the FA Cup and they lose one nil to Man U. And rather than go, it was a good cup run, lads, now we focus on the league, his team talk afterwards is if you can't do it in the big games, then you won't make it at the top level. And you're like, and then he goes, on. he goes, that's why you'll be played in the second, third, probably even fourth division. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right, isn't he? I thought he wasn't throwing they tea got cups. promoted that year. Yeah, but that's because yeah. the, the, the levels he's raising up. And also, I think you've got to be a bit easier on them because Paul Stancliffe is visibly 56. <laughs> What did you think, Michael? Well, I think think he was soft in his delivery. He seems like quite a nice guy. But I found what he was saying utterly demoralising. I'm with Josh. That's an incredible achievement of players that are punching well above their ability to go out to Manchester United, a team that 
I think Mark Hughes scores the winner. Mark mm. Hughes, who has just come back from Barcelona at that moment in time, to lose one nil, I think, is an incredible achievement. And he should be saying, "Yeah, well done, lads. You know, that's a really great run. Yeah. Let's pick ourselves up to go next week." If you're that player, and you're putting your body on the line as they're all doing each week, yeah. right? who's the guy? Um, Jock. He's Jock. Not Jock just, but he's obviously yeah, Scottish. He's bleeding. So that's, his, that's his surname. He's there's blood gushing out of his head in one of the scenes <laughs> and um he, the manager walks in and he looks and he goes um you're right jock and he goes yep and he just walks off never mentioned again he's literally being stitched up in in the dressing room but he's, uh, even then he's not the only medical attention he's getting is just a little wet wipe on the... <laughs> just dab it off jock he'll be right <laughs> my favorite bassett bit is when he announces a team and he talks about a player he's dropped i can't remember who it was and how this yes. player doesn't deserve to be dropped. <laughs> he played really well and he gave everything, but we've had to drop him for the good of the team. And it's such a weird team talk from all sides to give before a game. Oh, God. But you know, I, quite, I, I like the way he delivered it. He's not shouting and screaming. He's quite calm. I, I, I accept what he's saying is quite negative, but he's not like, you know, we see clips of Neil Warnock, ah, like shouting. Yeah. He's, he, yeah. Bassett is quite calm. And, and you get the impression from that, the acting scene with the chairman asking for 90 grand and all that. But you just feel like he's a nice guy. You, I was watching this thinking, I think I'd like to play that for Dave Bassett. He feels quite right. nice around Are you character. into sadomasochism, Scott? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to play for Dave Bassett. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, I don't want to kink shame you, but wanting to play for Dave Bassett is... is yeah. a... It's a bit <laughs> sadistic. Did you enjoy the training scene where I'd say some of the worst football I've ever seen <laughs> is... Uh, the level of the training is incredibly shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's bad. There's a goalie who falls back. There's a goalie who, without a ball near him, falls backwards, <laughs> like chasing an invisible ball. And then there's a crossing thing where yeah. both crosses are six inches off the ground and both strikers go for headers at that level. There's loads of amateur stuff peppered throughout. But the thing that really caught my attention was that like, they show at half time and it cuts to some of the players and they're drinking from glass bottles of lemonade at <laughs> half time. <laughs> they're drinking R. White's lemonade. R. White's glass bottled lemonade. You're like, was that, is that going to give you like a stitch? <laughs> like if I don't, if I'm not doing any cardio and I drink lemonade too quickly, it will hurt. Surely, yeah. if you're about to run your legs off for 45 minutes, that yeah. is a terrible idea. Last thing you want is a lemonade. Surely. Nothing, car- no, I'm going to say it, nothing carbonated. But this was, pre- this was pre-water, really, wasn't it? Like, like, like <laughs> when I was growing up, you drink juice or you drink... You, well, basically, I just drank orange juice till I was about 25 as my, as my rehydration. Like, it just... No one had really thought about drinking water at this point no. in 1990. Do you remember in the 90s at Wimbledon as well, like the tennis Wimbledon? It would be yeah. Robinson's. Yeah, Robinson's is the big... And everyone, like, the players would be drinking Robinson's. That's so mad. That's so, like, overcomplicating what you've had all this time. Water. We've had water <laughs> yeah. for, like, as long as man's been around. But it's only <laughs> since, apparently, 1994. So, basically, I came around and everyone started drinking water. Yeah. Do you remember a time pre-water, Maisie? Or was it, no. Was it, no. No, I'm quite normal and have had water since birth. <laughs> I don't did... think I drank water till about 2006. <laughs> My mum still doesn't drink water. It makes her feel sick. She doesn't like it. <laughs> I remember getting Ribena in a bottle. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, you'd buy pre-mixed Ribena? Yeah. yeah. No, what does your mum drink? No. Oh, no. They're amazing. 
Squash. She'll she'll have squash, yeah. She'll have squash rather than water. She can't have a glass of water, it'll make her feel sick. <laughs> it's so odd. She's like, there's no taste, but also there's a taste, and what the taste is is gross. <laughs> That's water. Email in if you drunk water before nineteen ninety four. Let us yeah. know the, if we can find the person oh. who drunk water earliest of the listeners. Also, <laughs> did they not have like you know stretchers when somebody's really injured <laughs> yeah. they don't oh, yeah. they didn't bring the stretcher onto the pitch instead they sort of um i don't know what you call it maybe cat's cradle him <laughs> off the <laughs> off the pitch two yeah one guy on the yeah. shoulders two, one two guys holding a leg each yeah the, the way he was brought off the pitch was the way that like a stag is taken out of a nightclub <laughs> by two bouncers <laughs> And then, and then you, you look at the side of the shot and there actually is a stretcher just on the sidelines. It's like, no, the reason he needs a stretcher is because he can't get to the sidelines. <laughs> but I thought, was it that getting the stretcher on is too much of a faff and that actually <laughs> they could get him off quicker if they carried him? But the way they're carrying him, there's no way. If you've got a, bo- it- a bone that is broken <laughs> and is at risk of maybe hitting an artery or something, the last thing that should be happening is just a couple of blokes from the kit team carrying you with no medical expertise. Yeah. And you don't see, but where do they end? They just dump him on the side of the pitch. Yeah. Or do they carry on and take him through the stadium? Potentially to hospital. Like, where does he get dumped off? When I think he gets dumped on? on the stretcher, doesn't he? And then yeah, they I take... think they take him as far as the stretcher. That's why it's so mad. Like, well, if the stretcher could get to there, it could get to the the man when he was injured. The, um, speaking of injuries, there's a, there's quite a bleak bit where they're talking yeah. about like the injections people take. Oh, and there's yeah. a guy. I don't know, did you notice Simon Webster pop up? And you t- you hear about a horrible leg break he had. A yeah. double fracture. Oh, oh, and then he the got calf? like an infection and he had to like carve his leg open to get the blood flowing again. Oh. Anyway, he re- so the story of Simon Webster is he recovered from that injury and then he came to my team, West Ham. Oh, yeah. And in like his third training session, Julian Dix broke his leg again. Oh my God, no. Oh, oh So I was watching God. this, like I didn't know the, pre- the backstory of the previous injury, but I was watching it. He, his, he got, his career got ended, ended really prematurely. Oh, oh that's God. horrible. And he went on to be a physio, but he's like, oh God. He went on to be a physio. He went on to be a physio, yeah. That's a quite a kind of heartwarming thing. Yeah. yeah he I'm... spent so much time with physios that he thought, I like this. <laughs> I, like, I like these guys. I want, to, I want to spend more time in the treatment room, even though I've just spent my whole career. Yeah, do you know that Tony Garner actually played the solo on Baker Street? <laughs> <laughs> I really admire the story of Tony Garner, who basically yeah. says... Why did you want to be a footballer? I didn't want to do my office job, so I just gave it a go. He just quit. Yeah, his office job was saxophonist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says his, he has a line there. He says, "I know it's just a mini break from reality that I found quite moving." Yeah. That sort of level of insight where he goes, "This is fleeting." You know, a month ago I was in an office. A month from now, who knows? I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts. It's mad, well, isn't it? He carried yeah. on and he played Sheffield United till 1991, and then he moved to Notts County, where he played for six years. Scoring, well, not a great. I think we've actually. I've just realised. I think we've discussed Tony Garner before, when uh, we were talking about the worst strikers in terms of striking. Oh. <laughs> he, he played 145 games for Notts County up front, scoring 15 goals, won every 10 games. Oh. And then he went That's to. Bad. Oh, do you know what? In 1992, he went to Leeds on loan, played two games. So he's, yeah. he's had a. And then he kind of disappeared down the non-leagues. He got one cap for England, see? 
I'd like to raise an issue with his chant that the Sheffield United fans give him, which is, oh, Tony, 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 Agana. It's Tony Agana, not Agana. Like, it doesn't so work, would, does it? Well, what would you do? You have to come up with something else. Oh, right. The intonation on that. It's not Agana. It. It's Agana. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, you've just changed his name to make it fit the chant. <laughs> not good enough. This is in his little break from his office, and he's musical as well. It must be an absolute heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. Before we move on to the much more positive Sheffield Wednesday doc, can I just draw one attention to Dave Bassett, one final thing that Dave Bassett said that I found incredible. It's before a match, and he's doing his team talk, and he says, here's something interesting. And then he picks out one of his players. Did you clock this? He said... All of the players, all of you, got cheers when your names were announced, except Bill, who didn't get any cheers. And the fans are trying to make him a scapegoat. And we don't have scapegoats here, so we're all one team. And I thought, how awful must that moment be for Bill? Yeah. Yeah, don't draw attention to it. Yeah, we all heard it. The last thing you want is the gaffer going, don't know if you lot heard that, but Bill got nothing. Bill hadn't come out the tunnel by that point, so he was none the wiser until Bassett pointed it out. Oh, Um, God. Contrasted with the Wednesday doc, which was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Well, we had a narrator for one thing. Was it Sean Bean? It sounded like a sort of low-budget Sean Bean. Yeah, it was, Sean Bean's a big Sheffield United fan, so if anything, he maybe Sean Bean was refused to do the narration on the Sheffield United. So they got somebody to impersonate Sean Bean. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I loved this document. I don't know where it's from or no. what it came from, but I absolutely, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Is it's that brilliant. brilliant. I, I did a bit of digging. I think it came on the VHS that you could buy from the club of mail order. So it had the game, the the famous final, but then it had this build-up, a sort of extra footage alongside it, and someone's just ripped it and uploaded it to YouTube. It's so good. It's so good. I love the the, the opening bits where they're just chatting to fans outside the stadium, asking their predictions. And there's a few people sort of going, yeah, we've got the skill, we've got the uh, agility, I reckon it'll be too well. And then there's just one kid with proper 90s curtains who just goes... Just put the goals in and, and win it. <laughs> Great that... advice. Great adv- oh, and a woman with a perm goes, and Paul Williams, I like your legs. Oh, I love that bit. I loved Great. that bit. Um, she, I, I, you know when they go up to fans, they ask for their predictions? Yeah. I'm never in that mental space before a big Plymouth game. No. I'm no. like, oh, we're going to lose 2-0, I imagine. <laughs> like, like yeah. do you go into big games... Presuming you're going to win in that way. I used to. I guess you have to, don't you? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a, a, pos- a very negative man. Is there just loads of um, Josh Widdicombs on the on the cutting room floor of, of Plymouth Argyle? Yeah. Yeah. Just going, probably another loss. <laughs> they have to actually speak to a thousand fans to get yeah. three positive predictions. <laughs> um, it starts. It starts on the bus, doesn't it? The yeah, bus down they- to London. They look like they're off to the Winter Olympics. They're all in these, like, turquoise windbreakers. They don't look like they're off to Wembley to play football. It's a lovely shot on the bus. So, like we just said, Paul Stancliffe, old before his time. Talk to me about Nigel Worthington. 29-year-old Nigel Worthington here. He looks 50, minimum. And you're like, I I actually, when I saw him, I thought, oh, I didn't know, he must have been on the coaching staff. And then you realise he's playing. 
It's yeah. astonishing. Well, unreal. What unreal. do you think's happening? Do you think it's face cream? Like, what's, <laughs> what's changed? That? Yeah. Oh, water, obviously. Water. 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 water, that is it, yeah. Water. Oh, my God. Just people are hydrated these days. Just actually hydrated. So Nigel Worthington's 20s on the R. White's Lemonade is absolutely done (laughs) for his looks. Oh, my God. So they're going down to London in their... I can't quite work out whether they're club-branded shell suits or just... They're so busy, the shell suits. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Some interesting fashion choices, specifically Big Ron in a baseball cap. (laughs) Did you clock what it said on the baseball cap? I couldn't work out what what it said. Mawson International. So I did some digging. Yeah. Founded in 1969, Mawson International remains the UK's largest independently owned recruitment company. <laughs> so how has Big Ron got hold of like a recruitment company baseball cap? Why is he wearing it? And then later on you see John Harks has got one as well. No, God, no. What? He must have a mate who works there who's just giving him a load, eh? I don't understand that. Surely Big Ron... Can buy his own baseball caps. Do, and do you think the Sheffield Wednesday commercial team are fuming? They're like, well, they're not a sponsor. Like, what's he doing walking around with that? In Hyde Park, no less. Somebody from that recruitment firm is very smug, though. Like, yeah, I just gave it to Big Ron, and there he is, wearing it every match day. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> and here they are 30 years later getting a plug off the back of it. Yeah. yeah. Are they still an active unit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I really love that they get to London and they decide to do their training and practice in Hyde Park. <laughs> love it. Love it. It's incredible. And again, some of the exercises, like oh. there's one bit where they're just going one, two, one, two, and sort of, kickboxing or yeah. doing that open the gate uh, move with your legs but like straight into people's palms um, at one point they shout five and they're all just in a circle screaming on their knees I don't know what that one did um, and they're just surrounded by pigeons and squirrels it's mad yeah, oh, there's an incredible montage of them training where there's three different things it goes between which is them training 
Big Ron doing keepy-uppies in his in his recruitment baseball cap and squirrels. And it just keeps going between these three kind of elements of the day. Yeah. Uh, but also, how good is Big Ron at kick-ups? Oh, he's it's good. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's really so good. good. Rolls it onto his back at the end, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Like skill, proper skill. Do you think they're the last team to have done their practice in Hyde Park? Well, I was... I know I don't want to sound like a square... But when they were churning up the ground, I was thinking, is this allowed? Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't use Hyde Park as a workplace, can you? Like like what's what's the ethics of this? Could they get arrested? I mean for what? It's just they're in the park. What blows my mind most about um their time in Hyde Park? Well there's two things. Firstly, John Harks, who's American, suddenly a fully dressed American <laughs> yeah. footballer turns up yeah. for a conversation. Shoulder pads and all. Oh, yeah. have all the gear on. Just yeah. wandering through Hyde Park? Like, how does that... It's very odd. It's very, very odd. The whole Hyde Park sequence feels a bit like a fever dream. Well, it feels like they've done it for... Because then they stay in the hotel and then the next day they go... They leave London to yeah. stay in a different hotel... For the yes. night before the game, you're like, why did you come into London to train oh at Yeah, what was the point? What was but- the point? Also, at that party that they have, oh the, 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 the narrator goes, and the players' wives look stunning. And then it just pans really sadly to, like, four women on what is clearly the designated lady table. Yeah. And they all look like, you know those um, those sisters from The Simpsons that are always smoking with the yeah, big perms? <laughs> There's well, a lovely you've bit missed the you... end of that quote, which is, the players' wives look stunning, and so did Trevor Francis, 37 <laughs> today. <laughs> Trevor Thrans- Francis, 37, again, oh. early 50s. Yeah. Uh, there's a lovely bit in that, this, this reception. So this is, an e- after they train in Hyde Park, they then go yeah. for a, to party a party in the hotel. To ce- is it a general party, or is it to celebrate Trevor Francis' birthday? I couldn't quite work out. It's not massively clear, is it? No. no. It, it, the focus does seem to be Trevor Francis's birthday. I will yeah. say that much. But you hear, you, I don't know if you caught it, but you hear Big Ron go up to the bar. Did you, did you hear his order? <laughs> no, what did he order? Two champagnes, please. <gasps> <gasps> so yeah. on brand. So on brand. Love it. It's That's the old recruitment money coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nigel Pearson, you see a bit of Nigel Pearson, who I couldn't figure out, he doesn't, what is it? A speech or a present to Trevor Francis? I couldn't figure out what was going on. Oh, it, but oh it this is a letter to, to... to Trevor Francis. Yeah, from Giorgio Armani, isn't it? But Did was you... that a joke? I don't know. I just thought he opened the letter and said the words Giorgio Armani like that. <laughs> I, I, it could have been the receipt for his suit. I don't <laughs> know what it was. Was it a voucher? Did they get him a voucher? They clubbed together. <laughs> In my head, and I don't know why I'd put these two things together. For some reason, Giorgio Armani and Trevor Francis had crossed. Didn't he play in Italy, Trevor Francis? I think he might have. Giorgio Armani is not writing to players at Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> to say happy, many happy returns. <laughs> and addressing it to the hotel. He played for Sampdoria, 82 to 86. There's every chance that Trevor Francis... No way, Josh. There's no way that's a letter from Giorgio Armani. <laughs> is no Michael, way. are you backing me up on this? I, th- I yeah, I'm sort of inclined to believe it might be. Come he did spend time in he, he he spent time in Italy. So I think yeah, there's there's a world in which Trevor Francis and Giorgio Armani 
in the mid 80s cross paths uh, sort of Genoese party and then wow. they've kept in touch and Giorgio Armani now uh, liaises with Trevor Francis by writing to Nigel Pearson and getting him to read it out <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had. I just realised that Trevor Francis played on for three three years after this point. He played for Sheffield Wednesday in nineteen ninety four when he was pl- forty. I think he became the player no, manager when Big Ron Forty. That is astonishing, isn't it? But he, he no. was. To be fair to him, he did look stunning at thirty seven. <laughs> um, do you know who we absolutely have to discuss? Is um who's the who's the comedian that? Oh, Stan Boardman. Crashes dinner is and literally yeah. nobody is excited to see. No. Uh, and then has to do what I think you can agree, Josh, would be the, the, oh. the worst gig of your oh. life, doing a gig on the bus to Wembley. Worse. Would you, if Leeds got to the FA Cup final and they said to you, would you come and do 30 Not, minutes no of stand-up? Way. On the bus, you no You'll get way. to meet the team. Also, no is way. that in the, the fucking dressing room? You're like, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Not the time. Not the time. If it was something like a hotel dinner, great, because I can leave. But on the bus, if you're dying on your ass and you've just got the entire, the entirety of your favourite team staring at you, going just, just, just basically saying, shut the fuck up. Oh. And you're at the front of the bus and, and you then can't they, get off. They, they film like, pull, you pull coming up. Here. You'd be the first. Yeah. When you pull into Wembley, oh, you know how they God. film the teams coming off the bus? Yeah. You'd be the first person. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely mortified. Oh, my God. Uh, also, he stood at the front of the bus just hanging on, and the bus is, like, turning corners. He's swinging around. Yeah. It's such a big Ron decision. Did you notice yeah. something that was true in both documentaries? That they're reading... Everyone's reading Match magazine. I can't believe On that. the buses, on both. Yeah. Yeah. Both documentaries. I thought it was a Match magazine for kids when I was... That's what I thought. It's yeah. insane. The idea of, of, of reading kids' magazines, watching stand-up comedy... <laughs> all before what is maybe the biggest game. I'd be like, now you see all these players and they've got their AirPods in and they're in the yeah. zone, they're not talking. Watching stand-up and reading a kids' magazine. But then, like, it doesn't end that Phil King gets a cake delivered to his dressing room from his mum and dad. <laughs> right before the match. That is... I've got so many questions about the cake he has delivered. How did that cake get there? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think even now, even though it's from his parents, even though it's from his parents, they'd be like, I'm really sorry. Again, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Kane, there's no way we're, we're, we're going to take this into the dressing room before the big game. <laughs> yeah. But it just gets put in there. Everybody's having a look at it, yeah. admiring just, it. Antonio Conte would go fucking mental. <laughs> Is it not massively embarrassing for Phil King as well that his parents have sent a cake in? With the note saying, love mum and dad. Yeah. I, there's a bit in the voiceover which just makes it clear they won't be tucking into the cake till after the game. <laughs> I feel like they have to clarify it, though, because they're all there tucking yeah. into lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that um, Giorgio Armani sent, a, uh, sent us <laughs> 10 pizzas as well for the team. <laughs> um, if Liverpool got to the FA Cup final this year and I yeah. arranged a cake and it said to Jordan Henderson from mum and dad to the dressing room. Yeah. There's no way that's getting there. Does it get no there? Way. It wouldn't get there, would it? No way. No. Everyone would think that's a bomb. <laughs> Everybody would think that's a bomb or it's poisoned. Do not touch the cake. But also, do you think, yeah, there's there's other letters, isn't there? There's like, are these addressed to Wembley? Or, or as you know, like when, has Big Ron done something nice and gone, gone to all the relatives and gone, could you give me 
kits and can you all provide messages? <laughs> like that, that last week in I'm a Celebrity <laughs> where they all read out messages. Yeah, exactly like that. Is that is that bit in I'm a Celeb inspired by Big Ron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that is like the last week in I'm a Celebrity. And Phil King's parents have gone big. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking at all the others going, oh, they're just writing letters. Let's go one further. Let's get a fucking cake. <laughs> but also, it's just so inappropriate, isn't it? Your son is a professional athlete on the biggest day of his life. Yeah. yeah. Don't, you can't be sending him a cake. But also, the fact that they said it's not going to be until afterwards, if they lose... <laughs> If they lose, you've got to come back to this massive, gorgeous cake from mum and dad that says things like, go on, son, on it. Like, you, there's nothing worse. Nothing I, I, worse. I think as well, if you lose, you come back in, the last thing you want to do is eat a cup final-themed cake. <laughs> and if you win, the first thing that's getting thrown up the wall is the cake. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody is going to respect the cake, whatever the result. There is oh. no scenario in which people want the cake. No. 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 <laughs> no. Okay. I think it might win the award for the most misjudged gift ever. Yeah. I'd love... It's sad they didn't show afterwards, because they would have been celebrating. I know. And is like, is, is Danny Wilson cutting up the cake for everyone and handing around? It's like... Yeah, oh. well, instead it's War of the Monster Trucks that we're watching, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. Do you think... Do, I mean, it's like that kind of thing, isn't it, when it's someone's birthday in the office and all the cake's handed around and you feel you should have some. Like, yeah. The players yeah. are celebrating. Steve McCall is forcing a slice of cake down <laughs> so as not to offend Phil King. <laughs> Or crucially, Phil King's mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely cake, Mrs. King. Thank you. Um, the scenes. I just love the scenes on the way to Wembley. We see all the fans out. I don't know if anyone spotted that there was someone fully dressed as an owl, head to toe, like a <laughs> like a whole owl outfit. Like it must have been so. Like, walking down Wembley Way is difficult yeah. when you, when you're not dressed as an owl. And then over the top of it, you can hear Big Rock going, take this in, lads. This is the best day of your life. I love that. And he goes, you can't let this lot down. You won't let this lot down today. I just know you won't. Don't let the man dressed as an owl down. Don't let him. (laughs) Look at the effort. Look at the effort he's gone to. You can't let him down. Oh, well, if we think, if we thought, if we'd have thought that the the cake would be sad after a loss, imagine getting the train home dressed head to foot as an owl. <laughs> that's Phil King's mum as well. That's the, <laughs> um, I don't think that's the most baffling bit of fan. Uh, I know exactly we, what you're going to say. The sign. Uh, the sign blew my mind. I, I didn't understand it for ages. The sign that's really long. <laughs> that's yes. really long. Yeah. I had to pause it to read it. Yeah. What did it say again? I've written it down. Yeah. It said, Ron's underdogs mean business. <laughs> this sounds like a cryptic crossword. Hang on, what? <laughs> so it says, Ron's underdogs mean business. Red devils, look out. Owls show... What's that say? Oh, I've actually took a screener of it, but there's another <laughs> flag in front of it. How should um, something upset Fergie's party? Fergie's <laughs> is in um, is in quote marks for some reason. <laughs> because this was the point before Alex Ferguson was famous enough for people to totally buy into his nickname. It, was, it came with sarcasm. Going, this lad that calls himself Fergie. <laughs> yeah. 
But I was looking at it for ages, going, "What the fuck has happened?" Here? What were the What were the options they went that that the, they sort of dismissed before they went for this? Well, I've realised. Have you worked out what yes, it is? Yes, I've worked out. Right. Well, do you want to explain? On the left, they've coloured all the. It's one of those things. Is it called an acrostic or whatever it's called? Oh, okay. Where, yeah. But first where, letter. The first letter spells out Rumbelow's cup, which is... No. Again. So read it again. What does it say? But it's not quite true, because in certain instances, they've, <laughs> they haven't been able to figure it out, so yeah. they've used the second letter. No. No, no, no. Ron's underdogs, so that's yeah. R-U. Mean, M. Business, yeah. B. Yeah. yeah. Rumb. Rumb. And now you need an E. But they've gone with Red Devils. <laughs> oh, they've used the E from the they've Red Devils. They've used the devil. E from Red <laughs> oh wow! And now they need to double you for Rumbelow. So they go. So next is L, look L look, out l- O. They need a W now, and they've gone owls. And use the second owls. letter. Um, and then uh, S is should or show whatever. And then C, I can't remember. Uh, but the U uh, in cup is upset Fergie's and Fergie's is just put on the same line so that it doesn't do any of the oh work oh my god they'd have had better luck trying to spell Sheffield Wednesday in yeah. a plastic poem exactly or just write leak cup or or write an acrostic <laughs> imagine there's some poor 12 year old kid who's suggested that and his oh parents have kind of gone through I, it I, with I, him that's and... not a kid because the aesthetic is quite polished yeah. yeah, like the that is an adult. Made it for it's him, actually quite depressingly mature. Yeah, <laughs> it's so um, mad. But how did that? So how do you think they've figured this out? Because Ron's underdogs mean business works quite well for Rumb. Yeah. But then you've got to look at the rest and think we haven't got anything good enough. Yeah. E. Yeah. You could have it, even or easy or. I just think they got as far as Rum, and they just loved the idea of Ron's underdogs mean business. And yeah. despite not having anything further to go with that, they were like, "It's too good not to have. <laughs> yeah. We'll make you, it work." Do you think they were chatting the week before over a pint, and someone said, "Do you think they'll win?" And they said, "Ron's underdogs mean business." <laughs> and another one of their mates went, "Do you know what?" Does that spell the first four letters of Rumbelows? I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> We've got two tickets for the game. We can't let this pass. Oh, God. It, it's, it's mad that even then, like the banners were more innocent and rubbish. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Imagine yeah. taking that to a game now. You'd oh, be... you'd get absolutely roasted alive on Twitter, wouldn't you? <laughs> How much to go to a Premier League game with a large acrostic banner about <laughs> with the game? With a large acrostic poem. <laughs> with a large acrostic poem. <laughs> oh, it would be br- it would be absolutely brutal. I'll tell you what would happen in this day and age. You would get absolutely battered on social media and then there would be like this reverse outcry where they're like... Sheffield Wednesday need to give that kid a couple of tickets now. They'd, they'd oh, like, yeah, they would actually yeah. get a VIP experience and meet, meet <laughs> yeah. Big Ron because actually yeah. the they'd been battered the too much. On the yeah. Game. Yeah. Yeah. And Big Ron yeah. would take a picture with it, shaking hands oh, yeah. with whatever 40-year-old did That's wrote it. That's absolutely true. That is 100% what would happen. I was going to say, I've just, I've just read my own version. Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. It is not good enough. But I think I think it's marginally better than what they have. Okay, because at least okay. it, it abides by the rules of that sort of poem. Okay, uh, plagiarising their their start because that's strong. Yeah, runs, that's... Run, <laughs> runs underdogs mean business. Every loyal owl 
wins Saturday. Oh, that's way better. <laughs> Sorry, you Mystic Meg. <laughs> if Mystic Meg said that and you were watching, and you were watching the lottery, you got fucking hell, that's about Plymouth. That's so annoying. <laughs> Oh, uh, God. Was it on I'm a Saturday? Assuming, I'm assuming it's played on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sunday's <laughs> fine. It's Sunday. it's, yeah. Sunday's fine. Oh, yeah. Although if I've written the sign and it turns out it's a Sunday and I've got the dates right, I'm livid. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly because you've turned up 24 hours early for the game. It um, was a Sunday, Michael. It was a Sunday. But don't worry, you can fix oh, it. You shit. Can fix it. So have you got a cup or have you just done Rumbelows? Uh, just Rumbelows. Was cup there as well? <laughs> yeah, they did cup as well. All right, keep chatting. Give me two minutes. All right. Can I just ask, have you ever taken a banner to the game? I, oh, this is mortifying. Oh, no. So, <laughs> when um, I supported Plymouth in the 90s, there used to be a guy who had a huge... Do you remember... You know, like, the Union Jacks, you see, with the names... Pl- yeah. uh, like, with the team names you often see when England are away. Yeah. He had a huge Union Jack. I was about to say the size of this wall, but um, about probably 10 foot across. Okay. Yeah. And it had Plymouth on it. And he'd tie it at the end of the stand every time. <laughs> and, and, but there was a gap and I thought I should get one that says Argyle and I could put it there and I got my parents to organise I was like I'm, that's what I'm going to do you're 12 or whatever so you're like your parents have to go along with it even though they're going this is fucking you know this is mortifying and I ordered one online and it arrived and it was about three foot across but I, I went ahead and put Argyle on it no and hung it up one week next to it and it looked, it looked like you know, like um, you know, like a big man, small man strike yeah. partnership. Oh uh, no! It was absolutely mortifying. Oh, like a Laurel and Hardy of 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 Plymouth flags. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, it never came out again. I don't know oh. what happened to that flag. I I I can't believe people have got the confidence, really, as grown men, to yeah. have to have big flags. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the one, is it? It's like people used to... I know, I'm, I don't think this still happened. People would dress up as the FA Cup. Do you remember that on Cup Final Day? <laughs> I remember tinfoil cups. We're not yeah. They're oh, still yeah. happening, tinfoil cups. Yeah. Are they? Uh, yeah. That's a really weird thing. The, I'm going to make the FA Cup out of tinfoil to go to the <laughs> FA Cup final. <laughs> it's so like something that you do... I don't know, like in brownies. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not old men actually doing it at a game. <laughs> it's like something on Blue Peter where they go, yeah. it's cup final day on Saturday, but if you want to yeah. make your own FA Cup... Yeah, what they do in primary schools around big events like the Jubilee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got a question, Josh. Like, if your kids growing up ever wanted to make a tinfoil cup to bring to a game, would oh. you let them? I think the tinfoil cup, I would. But, the tinfoil cups is fine because when it's it? with kids, when yeah. it's with kids, but the idea of a bloke in his 40s just coming <laughs> to the kitchen and going, babe, have we got any tinfoil? Have we got any tinfoil for the game on Saturday? I want to make a, want to make a cup. You, oh, man. I think I'd so be too embarrassed. cups, like, coming down on the train and stuff. You're just holding your tinfoil cup, and then you're going through the tube with it. Do you know what? Like, if you, get, if you get knocked out, what do you do with the tinfoil cup? Do you just oh. leave it there? Or yeah. do you, or do you yeah. save oh, it for, for the extra. final? Yeah, yeah. So if you lose, nah. If you lose, fold it up, put it in the microwave, <laughs> <laughs> blow the blaze down. There's an alleyway near Wembley. There's just a discarded owl outfit and a load of <laughs> pile of tin foil. I've um, I've 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 amended the uh, okay, Rumbler's Cup okay. poem. Now this only works in a very specific context. So you have to imagine the person that made this is the niece or nephew of Nigel Pearson. 
Okay. <laughs> runs, runs, underdogs mean business. Every loyal owl wins Sunday. Come on, Uncle Pearson. I don't hate it. It's a very niche. Very niche. Very niche. Would you, one last question on that. If your child was going to the football yeah. and they were, <laughs> they were 13 and yeah. they were going to the cup final with you and they wanted to do an acrostic poem <laughs> to put on a banner and you knew it was going to be mortifying, do you in that situation overrule or overrule. do you have to let a them play out? hundred percent. I'm overruling. Are you? But what are you saying? You can't say to them, that is an awful idea. No, you say I just exactly say, I, that. No, I, I was just say, oh, the, the stadium ban uh, poems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't take pints in anymore. It's the same with poems. Poems and pints. You can't take them in anymore. I don't make the rules, darling. <laughs> Oh, God. I thought you were going to say, what would you do if your kid comes back from the club shop with uh, Uncle Pearson on the back of their shirt? <laughs> That's what I'm getting on the back of mine for next season. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, so, overall, what did you... Uh, did you I enjoyed the Sheffield Wednesday one more. It's a shame that that's not the one that's six parts, to be honest. Oh, God, yeah. If, if, if either of them were going to have six parts, it should have been the Sheffield Wednesday one. That's, that's the winner out of the two. Um, but yeah, very insightful. Uh, did, it, to... did it make you wish you'd been there for the early nineties football explosion, Maisie? No, no, <laughs> not at all. No. It didn't make you think things were better then. No, there was like way more injuries, uh, and nobody knew how to deal with them. The managers were seemingly very mean. No duty of care with regards to just allowing cameras into the shower rooms. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think, do you know what? I started this podcast a bit sort of miffed that I'd only got into football in the early noughties, but now I think I'm relieved. We had, <laughs> we had water. We didn't, we, we've never had it so good. Well, it's been an absolute, it's been an absolute pleasure. Maisie, you are on tour. Yes. Yeah, on tour. Is there football covered? Yes, lots of it. Lots Is of there? it. Yeah, yeah. Quite a hefty amount. How much to try and get the Ron's Underdogs Mean Business, Red Devils Look Out, Owls Show can upset Fergie's party? Uh, I'm, all I'm saying is if, if, if I get anybody come into the show with an acrostic poem, they get a free cake from Phil King's mum. If you come out and there's someone holding up the massive banner on yeah. the buzzed tour... Yeah. Um, Shall I Steve write it? We never do this. It's sponsored by a local recruitment firm. Um, <laughs> there will be caps in the merch stalls on the way out. Support from Stan Borman. Yes. Yeah. Support from Stan Borman. <laughs> um, in Liverpool, Banbury, Farnham, Portsmouth, Norwich, Chesterfield, Stockton, Lancaster, Cardiff, Bath, Guildford, Bristol, Exeter, Glasgow. You're not doing Sheffield. Tyne Weir, Leeds, Harrogate, Leicester, Southport, Nottingham. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. If you if you do go to them, oh there you go, Sheffield Leadmill. 
13th of October. Just say I am doing the Sheffield level. Yeah. yeah. 13th of October. Let us know if anyone has an acrostic poem. Yeah, and please, please turn up dressed as an owl with an acrostic poem Imagine. and you'll get a free cake. There we go. God. That might happen. It might I happen. I really hope it does. Maisie Adam, thank you very much. Sorry thank to put you. you through those documentaries. <laughs> Not at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Maisie Adam for that. I absolutely loved watching those documentaries. I don't know about you two. Yeah, I know. Sheffield, Sheffield at like in the 90s, what a time. United it's and quite... Wednesday right up there. And some of the players playing for both of them. And, the, and like big role, like the characters. Every, I, you know what? It's one of the great shames of kind of post-2000s life that Wednesday aren't a bigger deal than they were in the night. I, kind of, I miss them. They're one of the teams I miss in the Premier League. Oh, well, uh, seeing as Plymouth are competing at the top of League One with them, I can only wish them ill this season. <laughs> now, I'm going to base... I've, I've just come up with... From the discussion of that, I've come up with this week's quiz. So, there's lots of local rivalries in football, or big rivalries. I think we all favour certain teams in these big rivalries. So what I'm going to do, a kind of Mr and Mrs, penalty shootout between the two of you, I'm going to say a rivalry, and you need to tell me which team you think I favour when these two teams <laughs> play each other. Great. Happy with that? Yeah. Yeah, lovely. So I'll do okay. five. You two can pick them, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't need to write it down, you know. Okay. Rivalry one. Manchester City versus Manchester United. Chris? Um, are you saying this is you right now? Yeah. Manchester United. Michael? Okay. You're... you're dislike of United is baked into the 90s and the show is about the 90s so I think it's carried over and it supersedes the uh, the evil oil money correct one oh. point to Michael I can't get over it I always want Manu to lose <laughs> even though I thought well you know, I do know you do like an established brand you, you do like you, yes but the, the thing is I think the thing is you can try and change your views on stuff but your heart still remains the same do you know what I mean you can try and convince yourself okay Inter versus AC Milan. I think you dislike Inter more. You think I prefer AC Milan. Chris? I was going to say AC Milan, but I think it makes it more interesting. I, I, I think this is a close one. I'm going to say Inter because I think you might have a bit of romanticism about Ronaldo. and It's one all. There we oh. go. It is Inter. Yes. Oh, I just prefer... Really? I think I... Think I when I got into Italian football, AC Milan were winning out of everything, so they became the manu of Italian football. For yeah, me. of course, yeah. You dislike yeah. success. I dislike success <laughs> at every level. Part of the anti-growth coalition. Um, okay. Okay, here we go. The third one is Celtic versus Rangers. Celtic. Michael? Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? I'm going to say I think you... I think you prefer Celtic. Both correct. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. Next up. Arsenal v Tottenham. Oh, God, that's difficult. I've got a really... That is difficult, isn't it? So are we going on with when Arsenal played Tottenham last week? Are we going with who I wanted to win? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to say the thing that tips it for me is I, I think you might have a soft spot for Conte, so I'm going to say you prefer Spurs. Chris? I'm going to say Arsenal because I think living in East London, some of the hatred of Tottenham surely would have rubbed off. No, that's not the case. The only <laughs> team you hate when you live where I do is West Ham. Because <laughs> <laughs> the traffic on match days. Well, that, that's I've never noticed any of that. But um, I would say... 
I would say I prefer Arsenal. And I'd say historically I prefer Arsenal. Yeah. In the 90s, I preferred Tottenham. But then under Wenger, I preferred Arsenal. Then it probably switched back when Pochettino came to Spurs. But now I'd say Arsenal are the more exciting. So it's done on a time-by-time basis and currently it's Arsenal. Yeah. So who got the points there? Chris. Chris, you're three two up. It's the final one. And we should end with Sheffield United versus Sheffield Wednesday in honour of those two clubs. Oof. Chris? Oh, God. This is a hard and one. Have you found that you've got a viewpoint on this each yeah. time? Yeah, I, it, I, I, I have yeah. a firm viewpoint and then I have to sort of unpick my slant on it to try and get in your head. Chris? Um, you're three two up. This is to win it. I'm going to go Sheffield Wednesday because I think in their glory years, the characters like Waddle, Whittingham, you know, Carlton Palmer, I think that they would still hold a place in your heart. Plus, blue and white, I think, is a better kit than red and white. Michael, That's what you're well, say. I, you've got you've got to go Sheffield United, haven't you, to win it? To yeah, I, I agree with everything that Chris said, but it makes no sense tactically. So <laughs> I, I'm going to say Sheffield United, yeah. despite in my heart believing that it is Sheffield Wednesday. It is Sheffield Wednesday, correct? Oh. Well done, yeah. I think I think it has to be, doesn't it? I just think they were a much more exciting team in the nineties. And when I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't. These are just you know. I don't want to ostracise any <laughs> Sheffield United fans, <laughs> but the- there was very little romanticism about that Dave Bassett team, wasn't there? Do you know what I mean? Compared to the <laughs> compared Sheff- to John Harks, um, I always say Sheffield United always look a bit rough. They've like consistently throughout. The last 30 years, like, you're always in for a yeah, game. They, they it's quite like, ugly football. You know football. club's got a DNA? It yeah. feels like Sheffield United. It's Ag- Aggie. It's that, the whole DNA it's, it's is Aggie. It's Warnock and it's Dave Bassett. At their, that's their peaks. And that's... I, like, even Sean Bean as a fan. Aggie. It's all Aggie. <laughs> like, even the Blades. Like, it's a weapon. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the Owl is a killer, obviously. <laughs> There we go. You do win, Skull, and uh, you do get to uh, choose the song to go out. We've had a suggestion for a song to leave the song on. Do you want Do you want that? Oh, yeah, go on then. Someone has suggested ending on the Half Man, Half Biscuit song, Bob Wilson, Anchorman, because it's about Bob Wilson. It's from uh, Willow Collis, Collios, who says, um, also, you're aware of the song Bob Wilson, Anchorman by Half Man, Half Biscuit. Got to play the show out with that at some point. There we go. There we so, go. So, sure you end with that. That's it for this week. Up next, we're going to have Tom Gibbs, who has been trying to track down every single person who starred in the Sky photo shoot for the first Premier League season. Everyone who lined up for that. It's a great episode. We'll see you next week. Until then, Stuart Slater. See you later.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.